podcast going album by album through Joni Mitchell's entire long incredible discography. (laughs) Today we're reviewing her album from 1972 For the Roses often known as her transitional album. Yes um prefix so little prefix in today's episode (laughs) um so something really funny happened is we maybe recorded this last week and maybe the audio file got corrupted that is very possible. Um, and so this is our second try, but you know, we're going to give it to you just as, I don't know, just as great. Just as great. The takeaway is Zoom is homophobic. Yeah, they did that on purpose. Like that was to like, they knew our episode was too good. And so they were like canceled. They didn't want For the Roses to get the appreciation it deserves. Mm-mm. Oh, I was also going to say thank you guys so much for all the Blue support. Our Blue episode did really, really well. I didn't even tell you that. It did really, really well. So thank you guys so much for listening to Blue. I knew I knew she was going to be our shining jewel. Yes, she was. And now it's going to be all downhill from here till Hajira. Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> no. I'm no. joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, yeah, the next big listen episode is gonna be Hajira. And I think maybe, maybe turbulent indigo, we might get like a mountain, a spike, but no, maybe doggy dog. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How many of y'all are listening to our doggy dog episode? That's coming next year. <laughs> <laughs> Following this pattern. Um, so for the roses, yeah. Let's let's d- get into her. <laughs> Well, this is definitely one of my favorite Joni albums. It's literally my Twitter handle. Uh, a little niche fact about this album is it's actually, it was added to the National Recording Registry in the Library of Congress. And for those who don't know what that is, the National Recording Registry is a list of sound recordings that are culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant and or inform or reflect the life in the United States. So, I mean, thinking of the themes that are explored on this album, I kind of see why it belongs here. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think that definitely the conversations here about fame and stuff like that are on this album are very apparent. Um, I think the song Banquet, which we'll get into in a little bit, is definitely a uh good landscape picture of America. And well, maybe just the world, but I could, you know, America yeah. specifically. Um, I was gonna say that um you said it was the transitional album and it really this really is her transitional album between the um period that we were kind of we're just finished out with blue which was this like I don't know started really folky and like started evolving into this really mature kind of folk music would you say like mature folk yeah very mature very introspective yeah and then now we're about to move into her jazz rock fusion period which I'm so excited for such great albums to come. Um, And on this album, she starts to include things like harmonica, drums, bass, um, strings, you know, all sorts of really cool instrumentation. Yeah, it really foreshadows where she's going to go with Court and Spark. She's really going to dip her toes in like the the pop, jazz, folk, fusion, whatever she calls it. Yeah. It's going to be really fun because this is approaching on, I think, both of our favorite like Joni vocal period. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think I love this album so much just because it literally blends the best of like both worlds with Joni. Like it has 
folk stuff. It has jazz stuff. And it also has, in my personal opinion, some of her best songwriting ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this and um, Hygiera, to me, are her best songwriting. Yeah, which is crazy as, like, to why this album is neglected. Like, I understand that, like, Blue and Hygiera and Fort and Spark are such high points of her discography. And there's, like, I don't want to say they're accessible because I don't think Hajira is necessarily that accessible. I think maybe Court and Spark is, but oh yeah, this this album actually did really well when it was first released. It peaked at number eleven, which is higher than Blue did. It had better sales at first, at least, but had a top forty hit. Yes, you, you turn me on. I'm a radio, and also mm-hmm. a little another fact about this album that I really love is how she kind of retreated to British Columbia at the time or Vancouver or something. She was just done with fame, so. And she was kind of giving, I don't know if you know Walden by Thoreau, where he moves out into like the woods and lives uh. there for years. <laughs> yeah, it's a book, but it reminds me of that. Oh, here we go with the book conversation. You kn- you know I don't read old books. I only read modern ones. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I was actually going to say, don't you feel like maybe Cord and Spark is her transition album in a way? Because Cord and Spark is the transition of pop. A pop, which is like right in the middle of like the folk, and then on the other side of pop is like the jazz rock. So maybe like this and Court and Spark are the transition albums, and maybe Miles of Isles. Like those three are kind of like that's all that same transitional period. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's so difficult for me to to constitute this as a transitional album solely, just because I also feel like like you said, Court and Spark and Blue are kind of transitional albums in a way. I mean, less so Blue, but more so Court and Spark, especially because she kind of expands on those sounds with with Kissing and with yeah. Dreckless Daughter, and she starts adding world music and all of that stuff. And, and character studies are more prevalent on there too, on Court and Spark. And that's really where she goes in the future. Like, she becomes more existential. I would say that her album with the most character studies is probably Hissing. Yeah, definitely. Like I think every song is basically a different character. Yeah, it is. You, I think like Shades of Scarlet Conquering, The Jungle Line, what Edith and the Kingpin, that's a great one. Harry's House. Harry's House, yeah. Um, wow. Kissing of Summer Lawns is about that married couple. Yes, I think a film director and his wife. Yeah, so she's she did that. Um, <laughs> so I was going to say that... Um, this title of the album is in reference to kind of this phrase, and I know I think we had talked about this in the last recording, which you guys did not hear. Um, <laughs> is um about when a horse wins a race, you know, it's been trained its whole life and it finally hits its stride and wins a race, and they throw a re- a rose wreath around its neck. And then Joni was referring to how once it they get that wreath around their neck and win, then they're just shot off the pasture. And I think for the roses, she was meaning like you're not going to shoot me off the pasture. Like I'm going to run while I still have the chance and, you know, get away. And uh, that's kind of the situation that I feel like we're set into for this album. Like that's kind of where she's retreating. Yeah. It feels like this album, Joni gains so much more confidence after it or during it. Oh yeah. It comes into her own and she basically is saying like, I'm not going to feed into all the bullshit that comes with the music industry. And I feel like it's her at her most disillusioned. Well, I think in the 90s, a lot of those are even more disillusioned than this, arguably. But like up to this point and everything after, I don't think Joni is more vocal than like being fed up with fame and everything than right here. Uh, mm, I don't know. Taming the Tiger is a pretty 
No, I just mean in the 70s. Oh, in the 70s? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I could give you that. Maybe on Hajira a little bit. Yeah, Hajira, I can see well, it. No, I guess she doesn't really discuss being famous on Hajira, does she? I think Song for Sharon kind of like explores what this entire album is about, but packs it mm. almost into one song and it's her at an even more like frustrated Ugh. point. I could spend like a full year talking about Song for Sharon. I could just do, they should do like a, one of those like college classes where they teach like poetry, but they should just do, you know how they do it with like Taylor Swift and like they're doing it with like Lana Del Rey? Why haven't they just done it for like Joni? Like, that's crazy. Like, there's so many songwriters from the 70s and 80s that I think are kind of more important. I'm not saying Taylor and Lana aren't important. I obviously think they are. <laughs> I just feel like, how come we don't have classes on like Joni Mitchell or Kate Bush or something? Oh, Kate Bush? She's a good songwriter. She's really creative. Okay. <laughs> you don't think so? Um, I think she makes good music. I think she's a good songwriter. I mean, you know, we, I think she's good music. I love Hounds of Love. I love, um, what is the one? I love the album that is, um, it's the cover where she's like, has like the sword in her hand. I'm trying to think. Why, why is it escaping me? It might just be called Kate Bush. I don't know. I think, yeah, probably. I like, um, what is it? Is it called like Central World? Yes. Oh my God. I literally have that album hanging up in the back. Oh yeah. That's the one you, I forgot. That's when you have it. Yeah. I yeah. saw like that one. What about the red shoes? I've listened to the red shoes before. I don't like that one. Oh, well, see, we, <laughs> suddenly <laughs> we're getting sidetracked. We're getting sidetracked, you guys. Okay. Um, so do you want to um, go into the artwork of this album? Yes. Oh my gosh. I love this cover. I love how Joni is just sitting in nature and I feel like it really encompasses everything that she's, I feel like it encompasses the music that comes with this album. And I yeah. also think that her smiling on the cover reminds me of like Lana smiling on Lust for Life. I don't know what it is. I it think looks, it, it gives me like a Mona Lisa smile. It looks like they're both going to kill me while I'm staring at them. <laughs> Isn't that what the Mona Lisa smile gives you? Yes, that is what it gives me. It's like that really like weird smile where they're like making like a twisted sort of smile where you're like, what are you thinking? Like, <laughs> what are planning you murder yeah well um well I was gonna ask you if you knew the original plan for this album cover but you do know because I told you last time but I'll tell the informed listeners um so the original cover Joni wanted to do a felt kind of pen drawing that she had made um with a horse that had roses coming out of its ass um iconic mother that would have been a mother cover um and the record label saw it and they were like no mm -mm, no you find something else and so then she wanted to do the photo that's on the gatefold, the nude photo, like, you know, the, like the one on the rocks, which I think would have been a really fucking cool cover. Not even gonna lie. Like that would have been kind of cool. And then, um, then the actual one that they ended up, cause they were like, no, you can't be naked was the um, one that you see now. So that's how that happened. <laughs> well, I honestly kind of maybe even would have liked it if she did the naked cover. I don't know. I feel like that one also kind of really says a lot about the album. But I do like the one she chose. I can't complain. That is, it's one of my favorite album covers. I know What's it's basic. To say that. I know it's basic oh. to say that. I don't know. It's just like, you know, when an album, the sound of it matches so well with the cover. And maybe if, even if the cover isn't that good, you're like, oh, wow, I really like this. I feel like Ocean Boulevard is another example of that, where it's like, 
the cover isn't great or anything, but just like the music matches the cover so well where I'm like, yeah, do more. Yeah, yeah. I think my favorite album cover is probably Hygiera, probably. Uh, that's so basic. Um, but I really like that cover. I think it's really cool, like a winds windscape kind of vibe. Um, I like um the cover of her as Van Gogh and Turbulent Indigo. Oh, like that's that such a beautiful cover. She needs to go to jail for not pressing that onto vinyl. That would have been such a pretty vinyl to have. Oh, I need it because I'm literally so close to having all, like, everything on vinyl. I only need Night Ride Home now. Oh, girl. That's going to be expensive. And clouds. I need clouds, too. Sorry. You'll find clouds. That's I don't want clouds, but I need it. I have to get it. <laughs> I don't want it, but I have to get it. What if I was like, my favorite cover is Don Juan's? Oh, no. You're going to get <laughs> Old, no. no i'm joking oh my god i'm joking 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 everyone please you guys don't cancel us we we can't um no but i really i like this album i like this cover um it's i think it's in the bc wilderness that her house is in i think it was shot in like the exact same location isn't there like a little lake in the background or like a little stream somewhere? yeah yeah girl do you not have the photo in front of you i don't i don't know why i didn't add it to my to my google doc yeah i always put the picture wait can you see it no one else can see it i can oh it's so cute i love the blue pressing with it too i'm sorry we're getting sidetracked again but oh my god that blue vinyl the turbo i have it me too i have it at home though it's not here with me is it like see-through blue or is it just like yeah it's like transparent you can see through it couldn't remember because i think that that one now is at my house i think i just have the regular one here at school um, I had to take home so many because I'm like trying to like get ready for like the end of the year and I had to take home like half of the Joni ones I had here. I was so sad. Like I didn't want to take home like doggy dog, but I, you know, had to. Thank God. You know what? Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> I like that album and I will stand by it no matter what. Okay. Everyone just, you know, leave me alone. Um, oh my God. Wait, I was going to say about the naked cover and the, and the gatefold is um I heard a really there's another really funny story that Joni told on um the Elton John thing that she did um for Apple Music um where she was like <laughs> I'm gonna have to do my best Joni impression let's see <laughs> where she was like she was like well Norman Norman is the guy Norman Seif is who takes a lot of her photos he was like well Norman started taking pictures of Linda Ronstadt in her underwear and then Carly Simon and so I thought I'll just go naked on my cover. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I just want to get it over with. Yeah, she's like, I'll just get it over with and go naked on my cover. And then she does her little laugh, like, <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> so I'm gonna choke on my water. <laughs> so good, like, so I just thought I'll go naked on my cover. Okay, mother, you do that. Not the call out. She, was and so she does it again her. on hissing of summer lawn. She does it again, kind of. Kind of. It's cute the hissing of summer lawn one. I need a poster of that. She needs like like wallower or merch with that to sell on her website because girl i would buy that in a second why because you have a crush on her yeah oh my gosh and just imagine like someone walks into your apartment or something and they see that picture of joni uh well you know i mean <laughs> it is what it is um i i don't find women you know i don't like women but if i did i'm sure 70s joni mitchell would be my first choice to you know meet up with i don't know <laughs> just the cheekbones i don't know those cheekbones yeah mm. very she has like abnormally large cheekbones like what is that I, we're not gonna go into it. 
Anyways, so we start with the let's start with the first song on the album, which is one of my favorite songs. Come to the dinner gong. Oh my gosh, Thanks. I think this. Yes. One of my favorite songs too. I think, I think, well, we talked about this last time, but this is basically like the thesis of the album because she kind of plants seeds here for everything she's going to talk about. It's like the roadmap for her entire yeah. album or what's to come up. Like everything is foreshadowed on here. Heroin addiction, which she talks about in the next song. Religion, America disillusionment with everything you could say it's the overture to the album it is the overture like provides all the themes that you're going to hear later in the show it kind of is like the overture yeah it's i think it's my personal favorite Joni intro i know that might be a hot take because she has so many amazing ones but i just am obsessed with this um okay Hmm. well at first i was grossed out by it especially the lyrics but when i understood it i was like okay wait she kind of did something here it's Oh, lyrically, the song is amazing. Um, so uh, and it's all the and it kind of goes through this like it's basically talking about like the it's supposed to talk about the inequalities in the world around her, but I think she's referencing the inequalities in like every place, not just in like hunger and things like that, but I think it's about fame and all that type of stuff. And like I love the line, um, like some turn to Jesus and some turn to heroin, like the like cultural divergences that are happening at this time there's people that are becoming very conservative post this Woodstock world and then there's people that are just falling into the drugs and stuff um James Taylor possibly (laughs) self-indulgence to self-denial right yeah self-indulgence to self-denial what's that song on man uh the title track to Don Juan's you and I, eagles in the sky. Yeah. Oh, I love the '80s version. That's how I found out about this song. By the way, um, it was from the '80s Refuge of the Roads Tour one, um, which I like better than this version. Actually, um, I love this version, but I like that one even better because it's like a rock and it's like, ah, have you heard it? I have you ever listened to it? I haven't listened to it. I need to listen to the Refuge of the Roads tour, but oh, I I'm just gonna probably... send you the link. You need to the link, but I can. I wouldn't be surprised if it was better, just because I see or I hear Joni play a lot of like her songs live, and the arrangements she chooses are so distinct and different from the original. Like we were talking about, Furry sings the blues earlier. Yeah, I love that. I love that version even more. Some of her live versions are just a little superior, in my opinion. Oh, on uh, Miles of Isles, we'll talk about some ones that I like more. Oh yeah, that'll be yeah. fun. Out. I don't know if you like the banquet version though because like do you like like hard rock like like with like a really aggressive like, like yeah okay. I really I'm a fan of classic I mean classic rock obviously than hard rock but I do like I don't know I like death tones that's kind of like heavier it's kind of like the police it kind of sounds more like the police and like uh I like new wave too yeah a it's little. a little new wavy I could I could see that yeah um oh I also want to talk about in the 80s version how she says um uh, because on this one, she's like, what does she say? Took my dream down by the sea, paper plates. And Javix like, bottles on the tide. And then in the 80s version, and this like greedy 80s where she suddenly is like, you know, so disillusioned with everything. And she goes, she's like, I took my share down by the sea, paper plates and plastic shit on the tide. She was in her environmental, like, I don't even know, her environmental era. Yeah. Like, she's like, basically singing about climate change before climate change becomes a thing yeah which is kind of crazy i also really like in this song the lyric uh it's how she's saying like 
Some get the gravy, some get the gristle, some get the mm. marrow bone, and some get nothing, though there's plenty to spare. Yeah. I really like that. I it's don't know. Good... I, think, I think it really like it's like shows the inequity in the music and well, not only the music industry, because I don't think it's just about that. Just like, the world. Just, yeah, just the world in general, because life is so unfair. It is truly you guys have no idea I'm just kidding um, <laughs> no I no I've had a very fair life um I was gonna say I also wrote that the songs is kind of like an American consumerism critique it's like a really well done consumerism critique okay there she goes again foreshadowing her next albums I know um oh I love um I love the part where she goes like it's like because you know the piano's bur- oh I love the piano in the song I should have said that oh I forgot I had that written down I forgot to say that yes yeah, and like the piano is like, you know, it's blaring throughout, but playing her best, you know, piano. This is her best piano playing album. Just, oh, for just, sure. Just saying, like, not to be controversial. Um, <laughs> and when she goes, it's like the piano swing, and all of a sudden you hear, Dun, in the cookie, I read poem, and then it goes back into it. Yes, I love that part. I also love her vocals on this song because I think a critique she gets a lot with her earlier albums is her vocals are too nasally. But here I feel like she keeps like the high pitch that is on those albums or like those like those headier voices without being nasally. And that's yeah. why I like it a lot. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. It's like a good mix. She's getting that mixed tone that I said I really liked on um Courtney Spark. Like it's, yes. like, it's coming. Yeah. Um. Also, I another thing I wrote about the 80s version of this song is when she says like, I still hear hungry people crying, you know, like that part. On yeah. the 80s version, she gets like, I don't know how to describe it. She's like pissed and she's like, I still hear hungry people crying. <laughs> like she's like, fuck these inequalities. Like she's mad. <laughs> she came into the Refuge of the Road store pissed as hell. I need to like listen to that now. I'm so intrigued. I'll send you the link. <laughs> You'll get the link in that eventually. Um, she's in her metal era. Yeah. Oh, and then I guess the song's just basically she's She's seeing the super inequality world and her whole main point is I think she's going to escape that world to go find something simpler. Yes, and that's why she retreats to the wilderness. Yes, she's trapped. Would you say she's traveling in some vehicle, <laughs> sitting in some cafe? A defector of the petty wars that shell shock club away. So true. Oh, I don't, don't want to cry. Don't make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Banquet is a it's a beautiful opener. One of my favorites. Um, my favorite. Yeah. Do you want to move to um Yes, I love this song a lot. I think last time we talked about this, I was a little more on the borderline with it. I re-listened to this again earlier today and I was like, wow, I really like this. And what I like about it the most is it's about how this heroin addiction is like consuming her lover almost. And she's kind of getting in with the lyrics to how dirty and gross it sounds like James Taylor yeah like what does she say uh I didn't even write it down but she's talking about uh why is it escaping me I don't know but I think it's like crazy when she says I mean what does it really matter you're gonna come now or you're gonna come later at the end of the song because she's basically saying like regardless of what happens you're not gonna break the addiction and you're just gonna be like kind of suffering with this the rest of your life oh is that what you thought that was about yeah, I thought she was basically saying that he's like helpless and that like it's he's never gonna recover from it. I don't know. Does it matter if you come now or come later to me? Had a whole different, oh, no. but oh, maybe. Gosh, please. <laughs> 
No, not even going. There are children here. Yeah, girl, I hope there's not children here, please. <laughs> um, no, and I, I obviously like, I really like that the the whole like cold blue seal is like the needle for heroin, and then like the sweet fire is the rush you get after, which is like that's so like that's so smart. Like that's such a great witty kind of. What's that line she says about suit? Is it black suit or brown suit or something? I think it's black black suit. Yeah, that that's what I was talking about when I was saying she makes it sound gross, like what a heroin addiction is. Like, yeah. I feel like contrast the music on the song so much, like the, the actual musicality, like the strings and the actual guitar playing and like the jazz fusion. I feel like it contrasts it so much because it doesn't sound dirty, the song. Like it sounds classy and then you read the lyrics and all you can think is, wow, a heroin addiction does not sound glamorous. Mm-mm, no, and I was also going to say that I feel like this is her most... Like, if you were to listen to, like, every Joni Mitchell song starting with Ayata King and you're just, like, going, going, going and you, like, hit this song, I think all of a sudden you'd be like, wait, what is she doing here? Because this is that transitional kind of sound. She suddenly has this band with her. She has these, like, I mean, that the song ends with this brass, like, it's like, I don't know, I don't think it was Wayne Shorter yet. I don't think it was him yet, but it has this, like, good brass blaring out, like, and I love the riff. It has a cool, like, beat kind of vibe to it. Like, da, 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 da. I don't know. It's kind of cool. Yes. I love the outro to the song, too. Like, that last minute or so. Yeah. You just, like, they keep on strumming and playing. And it feels like it gets a little more intense than the rest of the song. It's very Shadows and Light. It is very Shadows and Light. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> people are like, what's Shadows and Light? Look it up. A lot of album. <laughs> another live album that we're gonna get to um in two years eventually yeah um but yeah i really like this song it's a great james taylor diss track it is wow james taylor must have been upset when he heard this oh we didn't talk about how they yeah they like broke up yeah okay so for those who don't know basically (laughs) joni and james taylor were dating around like the time she recorded blue and like a little after and then I think it's like the start of 19, like the end of 1971, I believe, around November. So they break up and she, maybe it's a before that, I forget. But they basically break up and he starts dating Carly Simon like a month later, I think. And then they get married within a year. So yeah, she was in her sad girl era here. Mm. She said, for the roses, sad girl autumn version. Yeah, yeah, honestly. I mean, she might as well have just titled it that. Like, <laughs> like sad and confident girl this is one of those confident songs you're talking about like her confidence building this song like because blue is so vulnerable and this song is a lot more like like she's just kind of like you know you take your cold blue steel and shove it up your ass like you know I don't really care I don't know that's what I was getting from it (laughs) yeah I liked when we were talking about it last time and you were saying how from the song it sounded so sassy the way she was singing it to him I really, yeah, I really liked when you said that because now I can't unhear it. Like she's, she knows she's making a dig at him. That's oh yeah. What, you can hear it in the vocals, you can hear it in the lyrics, you can hear it everywhere. The she music. has a sassy tone. Do you, no one can see this, but I literally in my head, I have the chorus like over and over again and I keep making like, like I'm like dancing to it in my own head. Cause I just, I don't know. Can you hear music in your own head? Yeah, I can hear music in my own head. Okay, see, I was like, is that weird? Like I can hear songs. I can literally hear like that switch up at the end of Cold Blue Steel and Sweet Fire right now where it goes like is it I don't know it's like a woodwind sound almost yeah. or like the brass instruments when they like, like blend kind of yeah when they blend together yes right at the end of the song 
I guess we just have those musical ears. We do. I kind of, I think I might have like that like perfect pitch thing where you can tell what note someone's doing by like. Really? Sometimes yeah. I think I'm tone deaf, but then I take tests and they say I'm not tone deaf, so. I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I might be tone deaf. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> it's all relative. Um, Should we move to... um? There's a place, uh, you know, with three waitresses that are wearing black diamond earrings. Do you want to go to that place? <laughs> yes. Another one of my favorite songs on this album. I want to be saying this about every song again. Wait, say the title. <laughs> Bar and Grill. Oh, my God. Yes. yes. This is like Joni craving, craving authenticity or like longing for it. And I feel like it relates back to the disillusionment because... <laughs> she sees all these people that are so disingenuous and she wants to escape it so she looks for authenticity in like the people around her I guess because she can't find it in her career or the people she's surrounding herself with in the present so that's why like she talks about like the waitress and the guy at the gas pump like people working ordinary jobs and that aren't so like caught up in this fantasy world are who she really wants to talk to she wants like simplicity in her life like something simple like and I, I, I had said this last time that I had read, I should have, God, I should have looked up who said this. This guy who had uh, described the song, he said that the bar and grill, because people were like, what the hell is bar and grill? Like, what is that? And like, he said that he thinks she was saying like bar and grill as if like water and food, as if like, and talking about how those are like the two simplest things that she's like seeking she's seeking these simple pleasures but by the end of the song she's found it and so she doesn't even have to ask like she forgets to ask even like where's bar and girl because she's found yeah. simplicity with that that guy at that gas pump who's got a lot of soul he sings merry christmas just like that king cole sorry <laughs> one of my favorite parts of the song i also love when she says like ah her mind the way she sings it ah her mind's on her boyfriend and eggs over easy and after yes. she accentuates the easy part I also really like um, what you were saying about how it it's like she finds authenticity without even realizing it at first. Like she's in constant search of it, like almost like it's a destination, but it kind of creeps up on her so subtly and she doesn't realize it until afterwards that she just like had like an authentic conversation with someone or saw something that was real. Yes. Oh, that yeah, that's very well said. That's exactly like kind of the vibe I was getting too. Like she just suddenly like she finds this authenticity that she's been searching for. And I think that that's what this album is all about. It's about finding these like authentic, real things that are outside of this world that she's experiencing with fame. I'm sure a lot of it has to do with, she's probably like, I mean, I'm sure she's probably done with, you know, her label trying to tell her what to do. I'm sure she's probably done with James Taylor cheating around on her. Like, I'm sure he was, I mean, well, I don't know if he cheated around on her. I shouldn't, you know. But I, she was just looking for something simple that wasn't so, you know, I don't know, yeah. so Hollywood. Yeah, I think this really like foreshadows where she's going with um, Free Man in Paris in a lot of those songs where mm. she kind of even sees the people around her being fed up with uh, all the superficialness or like. Well, Free Man in Paris isn't her. Yeah, it's about David Geffen, but. That's what I mean. Like she sees it with the people around her where she's like, yeah, these people are basically looking for the same thing as me and don't even realize it. Yeah. It's a little stretch, but I've always seen the two songs together. I, was I also love the woodwinds on this song. Oh, yes. Very great. 
honestly, I really like most of these songs musical because they're very experimental. They really are for this are. for Joni. And like, I know that like now they don't sound very experimental, but I think for her time and for where she was at, like with the place she was in, in the music industry, this type of music was not what traditional folk singers were doing. You wouldn't hear Judy Collins doing this song. No, especially, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but I get such like a classical music vibe from this album, obviously because of the last track, but mm -hmm. I feel like I hear it so much throughout here where it's like, when elementary school we used to have to watch these silent movies or like cartoon movies like Peter and the Wolf, and it was just mm -hmm. all classical music in the background. And I feel like if you took her vocals off, this could fit right inside of it for some reason. Very classically inspired. I wonder if it's because she was, um, because when she was retreated, in her BC home, she didn't have any TV. Like she didn't have electricity. So I'm wondering if she like only had like, I don't know, like classical like records. I don't know. I just made that up. I don't know. I'm just trying to just think about why she. I mean, maybe that maybe that Beethoven inspiration from the last song though just creeped into everything else. I don't know. I think it might be that. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I think. I think you have a good point when you say that. It's probably because she was, like, retreat in retreat for a year. Or, like, living so recluse as a recluse from, like, society. Yeah. The woodwinds on this song remind me a lot of Utopia by Bjork. I think I said that last time, but I don't I know why. Album. I think it's a good album. It is. It really is. That, it's really good. What's the album? Um, Vol, Vol, Karna? Vol, Karna? Oh, Volnacura. Well, Akira, I like that. Yeah, that's like that same period, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're like sister albums, I think. Mm. Oh, and then isn't um Fasora like the third? The third sister, the ugly sister. The ugly sister, mm -hmm. yeah. Oof, I tried so hard, you guys, but mm -mm. me too. We all tried. Isn't your boyfriend a big Bjork fan? He is a big Bjork and Arca fan. Mostly Arca though, but he really does like Bjork. He was listening to Harm of Will yesterday. I have to be in a mood to like listen to Bjork. I usually like her music, but yesterday I was just like, girl, no. Put in your AirPods. We don't want to hear I that. I, I had to put in my AirPods. That's so funny. Oh my God. Leave him alone. He just wants to listen to Bjork. Oh my God. <laughs> um. Okay. I love her, but. Yeah, she's, you know, she ain't no Joni Mitchell. <laughs> Should we go into Lesson in Survival? Yes, the two-parter. The two-parter. I This is another one of my favorite songs. I know I said that about the past four, but I like how she it's like her revisiting feelings of insecurity in a relationship that she talks so much about on Blue. And the second half of the song, when she's like, I went to see a friend tonight. It was very late when I walked in. And he's basically, I don't know if he's condemning her, but he's like, whoa, 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 the whoa, whoa there. I don't know. That's like what I got from it. I wonder if she's talking about how she played blue for that her friend and he was like Ooh, I wonder if that's a reference to that at all. It might be a stretch, but that's no. comes into my head when I think of that. Or what about she says, I'm gonna get a boat and Oh yes. And then we and then last time we talked about how that sounds, you know, this girl just wants a boat to row away on. Um Silky Veils of Ardor, she, you know, Ardor. she wants to get the wings like Noah's Pretty White Doves so she can fly this raging river. And then Blue, doesn't she say, I want to sail away? Yeah, or she wants to skate away, but I guess Blue is so nautical that when she talks about boats, it kind of reminds you of that for some reason. Or and Song to a Seagull is kind of like nautical too. Oh, it is, especially the second half. Yeah, like so she just... 
she get why didn't someone just buy her a boat that's all she wanted she just wanted to like row away from something um oh i was gonna talk about how this song is a great um great character study not character study but like personal study about um self-insecurity like i came in as bright as a neon light and then i burned right out before him like yeah she like she she's so observant of like her own feelings and emotions and like it's a really great it's very blue like like it has a blue feeling to it like about how well she is to describe her feelings and emotions and you know i know jenny hates like the the label of being confessional but it's hard to say this song isn't confessional i guess it's introspective because she's like what does confessional or like honesty even mean but it's very it's very introspective like even at the end of the song when she's saying like when you dig down deep you lose you lose good sleep and it makes you heavy company like when you start realizing things about yourself or start trying to to grow as a person I feel like it does make you lose sleep or it makes you like lie awake at night thinking like wow I could have done this better or I could have done that better and it makes you think of all the what ifs in life I think that song encapsulates this room that really well I never even thought about that before but you're really right because I think I'm kind of like that like I'm so always turning circles in my head like my brain never shuts up <laughs> it's yeah, always going five million places and I have that yeah I'm very I think I'm very introspective yeah I think I am too it's probably a thing of like the age we're at maybe it's just being gay it is oh my god <laughs> being gay equals introspectiveness I don't know um but I think that this song is a great precursor or blend into this kind of part two. Do you want to go to the part two of this song? Yes, let the wind Oh, one of our favorite. I think both of yes, our favorite both songs. Both of our favorites. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't even know where to start with this, just because there's so much <laughs> to unpack here. I like how it explores Joni's childhood a lot because up until now, we haven't heard much about her childhood or her parents. Like uh, she alludes to it a little bit on songs before, but it's never like we never get a picture of her childhood or how her parents were. No. So, yeah. And like the way the relationship she, she depicts between her and her mother is a little discomforting. You can't help but feel a little bad for her. Like her mom just wants her to conform to everything society wants a woman to be. And yeah. her dad, like, just let her be, girl. Her dad wants her to experience life, you know, freely and not be conformed to something. But her mother, her mother, I think, values conformity and religion. And, you know, she doesn't like her kick pleat skirt or her eyelids painted green. She's like, you know, don't do that. Yeah. Um, I, what? I also like how she's like, she kind of is showing the difference of how, how so distinct, the distinction between her mom and her dad like oh, yeah. she says mama's always cleaning papa brought home the sugar like her dad is out at work all day her mom is at home like doing domestic stuff yeah and i think it goes back into why this album is so american because that's mm-hmm. such an american thing like those gender roles like i know it's in most western societies not just america it's not just exclusive to here yeah and obviously whatever but this would be about canada but still yeah but still like it's I guess Canada's like part of America still like in terms of like continentalness you're about to get canceled for that the no Canadians no just being in the continent gonna, the Canadians are gonna America. hate you for that <laughs> they're gonna hate me for that but I think it really just shows how women are boxed into everything or 
that's why Joni feels so disillusioned or dissatisfied with herself and why she contemplates so much on this song because she's thinking, well, I could have a child right now, but instead I'm doing this. And some yeah. people in my life are condemning me for that. And I sometimes I feel dissatisfied with the life I've chosen, but it's also like she's trying to be a little optimistic about it. Yeah, she's like, she's torn because she's grown up with her parent, her mom pushing this idea of like, you know, this very like, you need to stick to a domestic role, a religious role. You need to stick to a what's considered normal female roles in life. But her father is kind of allowing her that space to be free. And I think she's like, I, I'm sorry, I have to go that path. Like, it, it, I mean, she says what? She, it's always called for me. That that yeah. being free has always called for her. And that's her career. That Joni Mitchell is, that is her career. She can't be bound by one thing because she just, she needs to be an explorer. Yes, it really goes back into like the urge for going and all those songs about how, yes. how she needs to be up and traveling. She, she, like, she craves something else than just being stuck in one place. She's such an explorer. Like, yeah. Like not even just like in general in terms of where she's living and stuff, but also musically. She's constantly exploring new things. And oh my gosh, I need to mention before I forget that musical break before the last verse with like the bada mm. and all those like the instruments. I love that part so much. Oh, you like the part where she's like, hey, hey, hey. Wait, no, I think that one's on Judgment of the Moon and Stars. No, no, she's it's like, on this one. She's like Hey, I'm not doing it, but she... No, no, you're right. You're right. It is on this one. Because she says that, I think, right before she goes back into the final verse of the song. You're right. I think you know exactly what she was referencing. I'm, yes, we know exactly what she was uh, referencing. <laughs> oh, I also... Last time we talked about how I like when she's like... She don't like um that rock and roll dancing scene. And all of a sudden you hear this, like... This brass, like... Like a, like a rock and roll sound right behind yes. it. It's so well intertwined into it that you like wouldn't even notice it unless you like yes oh my god um, we were talking about this last time but liz gillies the one from victorious everyone knows her from like sj from victorious she's a huge Joni fan and she did a cover woman of heart and mind on instagram or something over quarantine and she was like i was really skeptical about posting this because like Joni has so many elements to her music that it, it doesn't sound right unless she's the one performing it or, or like unless you have all those sounds in the background like if you're just covering Joni Mitchell especially later Joni Mitchell with a piano you're missing so much especially for the Roses and Court and Spark songs because the arrangements are so complex. I don't trust myself to play Joni Mitchell on piano I do but yeah it's scary She's it's intimidating hard. to cover. She's very intimidating. I know. I know my cover of for free for Ladies of the Canyon was interesting. <laughs> wow. I thought my blue piano playing was decent. Her mm -hmm. river and blue. I thought that was okay. I liked your piano playing. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I would like to mention um the final lyric of this song. I'll I can just read it. Um yes. which oh, I'm gonna get chills reading it. I think both okay, I'll just read it. So she says. Sometimes I get that feeling I want to settle and raise a child up with somebody. I get that strong longing and I want to settle and raise a child with somebody, but it passes like the summer. I'm a wild seed again. Let the wind carry me. Oh, oh my gosh. One of the greatest, one of the greatest lines of music ever. I'm sorry, but it is so good. And it, it kind of just perfectly encapsulates this entire album almost. Because she's basically, it goes back into the dissatisfaction. It goes back into everything she was saying earlier. Yeah. And she's just like, 
I could, I could settle down. I could live this life, but sadly I am a wild seed and I just have to let the wind carry. Oh my God. It's so good. So like, yes. Oh my oh. gosh. There's like little glimmers of optimism there too. Cause I think we talked about it last time song for Sharon is basically kind of saying this line, but it feels like there's no optimism in it where she's just like, I want to find a lover right now. And that's all I want. Like, I don't care about anything else. And here she's like, uh, I'm just going to let the wind carry me. I'm just going to no. go wherever life takes me. Don't you think that the last line of song for Sharon is kind of like this? You still, have your, you still have your music, but I have my eyes on the land and the sky. You sing for your friends and your family. I'll oh. walk green pastures by and by. Okay, yeah. If that does leave it a little more optimistic. But, but I think like, I'm just going to keep walking. Kind of like the I'm going to let the wind carry me. Okay, yeah. Now that you say that, I see it. I just I feel like here she's like still more playful or she's like not at her like peak disillusion yet no on, yeah on a specific song yeah yeah now that you mention it yeah I guess song for Sharon does end on a pretty optimistic note and in, in that regard yeah yeah I don't know if it's like a hopeful note but it's more of like a you know like, whatever it's something <laughs> yeah. um but yeah this is this is a brilliant song. Brilliant, brilliant song. One of her best. Um, beautiful piano. Yeah, beautiful piano. Oh, my God. Um, and her next song is also didn't have to do this. Joni, this was this was really rude of you to put this song next to For the Roses, which is also like literally one of the best songs as well. Like, oh, my God. Yes, this is one of my most played Joni Mitchell songs. And it's really. Yeah. It relates back to the inequity on Banquet. That guitar on this song is haunting. It it really like sends shivers down my spine. It gives me goosebumps. It is just such a beautiful musical moment. I don't know how else to put it, but and she like omnisciently just like predicts like everything that's gonna happen to her career. She sees exactly where everything's gonna go. She's like just like a perfect observer. She knows exactly. They're going to toss around your latest golden egg. You know, they're yes. going to, they're just going to toss around, you know, speculation. Will you have another hit? Will you not, you know, or um, what's another one? Like up the charts, off to the airport, yeah. like, you know, you're famous and then suddenly no one's talking to you. Yeah. It's like the music industry sees her as a machine that needs to keep pumping everything out. And she's just so annoyed with it because how do you like go about releasing music oh wow did you hear that what was that i don't know i was oh my phone just started ringing sorry wow but it was like i don't even know what they're saying oh my god but she was like her most like disillusioned here basically and yeah there's like well, no room i love that like, word you're a big disillusion i word. am especially <laughs> with this album but she they're saying she's saying there's no room for artistic integrity anymore i think that's where i was going yeah. She was like, they want you to keep pushing out albums regardless. Like, I remember a year and a half ago or so, the Spotify CEO said that artists should be putting out albums every year. Like, no, artists should be trying to have artistic integrity. They should be putting out stuff that they think is the best, not something yeah. that's like a cash cow for the label. I mean, obviously, that's what the music industry is at the end of the day now. And especially even then it was. It was a cash cow for people to profit off of musicians and exploit them. Yeah. And here she's being really honest about it. I don't think anyone else has really touched on the the music industry like this before. I like when she's like, like, she's like, I seem ungrateful. Like, that's all. Like, she's like, I guess I seem ungrateful. 
like, but I'm getting things that I just can't, like, she's like, I can't give up, like, yes. like this, like, other life that I have, like, I, I can't give up my, this piece and go straight into fame, and, like, or what about how, like, don't you think that, like, when she's, like, chilly now, end of summer, like, she's meaning, like, it's end of this, like, grace period that she was having, and she's, like, that period's over, like, I'm entering this, like, more chilly, yes. you know, and, on yes. my own. Even the last line when she's like the moon swept down black water like an empty spotlight. I think yes. she's basically saying like the show is over now. Like she's about to go into this new part of her life and she doesn't know. Oh yes, she's it's it has a lot of trepidation around it. Oh yeah, and this is the taming the tiger OG. It is. We okay. love the tiger. Imagine if on this song she was like, "I found a way to include. I'm so sick of this game. It's hip. It's hot. Life's too <laughs> short. The whole thing's gotten boring." <laughs> Girl, I would have pressed skip so fast if she did that. <gasps> no, I would have like jammed. Uh, <laughs> what is the uh oh from the hoods and the hood and the whiny white kids? <laughs> Boring. <laughs> she was My, mother for that. I know. I love this song. It's haunting. It's like sad, but it's also like she's just so self-aware. She knows exactly oh, the man. game that's being played, and she's just like, I'm not playing this game. Like. I'm running for the roses, bitch. <laughs> I'm getting out while I still can. Yeah, that is, it's crazy how much of an observer she is because I don't think her contemporaries were this introspective. And that's what sets Joni Mitchell apart from everyone else is that not only does she call things out like this, she also just puts it in such eloquent terms or like eloquent words and no one else has that ability. She yeah. can accomplish so much in so little words. I mean, even though her music is a bit wordy, she still does it pretty concisely. Like, I don't think this is even that long of a song. No, it's like the song four is four like, minutes. Yeah, it's only three to four minutes. Yeah, so, and she says a lot here. Like, she says more in four minutes than most artists say with, like, a 10 or 11 minute song, so. Like their whole careers. Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen an Ariana Grande album even match up to this one song. Oh my God. Yeah, I was gonna say, I've never seen a Justin Bieber album get this introspective. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, it's incredible it's an incredible song um now we're about to kind of enter a dip <laughs> see you sometime small dip well okay no i'm just meaning like a dip as in like it's not like my favorite songs you know i know what you mean i just it doesn't match up to the i feel like the first six songs on this album are all 10 out of 10 perfect songs and then we get to see you sometime and we're like okay she's cute she's like a eight nine out of ten she's like yeah. okay. she feels a little like filler but she's also cute and she, i think she belongs i think see you sometime belongs in the album yeah i don't think it, it's as it's not as a high as the other songs are it's a good reflection on a relationship i think it's probably about james taylor you know we could say that about every song i don't know i assume it's probably about him um <laughs> it has a good piano to it um i like that it's kind of she's like after all the shit that we've been through together, no matter what, I would still like to see you sometime. Like even no matter what, like I still would just like to see you. Like like she, there, there's a part of her that still misses him just a little bit. I feel like everyone has that with like relationships. Yeah, it's like she's dragging him so much, and then she's like, "But I just want to see you sometime." And she's like, "I'm still longing for you a little bit." Yeah, I like it's like kind of multi-dimensional emotionally. I guess all her songs are pretty multi-dimensional emotionally. 
Yeah. But that's, I think that's the only thing I can really say about this song. Like, there's feelings of loneliness, being dissatisfied, being insecure, but also being in love and, like, kind of grieving the loss of a relationship. Yeah, yeah. And I love the little switch when she's like, pack your suspenders. Yeah. Um, I love the melody and the vocals. I'll give this song that. I really like it. Very, yeah, very fun. It's weird. Like, she has, it's like, she'll, like, make fun songs, and then you look at the lyrics, and you're like, oh, my God. It's not that fun. Yeah, I'm like, wow, that's so sad. <laughs> oh, in the Packer Suspenders, allegedly James Taylor wore suspenders on his album. Album cover, right? Yeah. Yes. That's such, like, a personal way she can, can uh just make her music and her lyrics come to life. It's those little, it's those little things right there. Mother. Those little details. Yeah. Yeah. Should we go into another little detail song? <gasps> Stop. I love electricity. Mm-hmm. This is one of my favorite Joni songs. I will say that. Hot Wait. Take, I know. It's in my Wait. top like, 25 or 50. Of her whole career? Yeah, her whole career. Sorry. I told you it was probably unpopular, but oh. there is a version that made me love this song more. You can look it up online, and there's this acapella version of uh, Electricity. And I love it so much because it's so stripped down. I love the background vocals. I just, I love everything about this song, I think. And it's so subtle and cute, especially the lyrics where she's just like, she's not going to fix it up too easy. Like she's going to make a mess and she's not going to fix it up too easy. I like the, the, the symbolism of electricity too. How like sometimes there's sparks flying, but sometimes like the circuit's short a little bit and they don't always have like the best relationship. Yeah. just smile and nod (laughs) definitely a part of the song um no i do like the part of the song where she's like where it's very like kumbaya like i'm learning it's peaceful like i like that part that's kind of fun and i like the ending when she's like input output electricity like that's like a that's a cool she uses a lot of cool metaphors to relate electricity to love you know and like the sparks that come with love the court and sparks that come with love um and uh, and I, I I like that part. It's just the song feels kind of, you know, I'm not going to trash it. It's not your, if it's your favorite, one of your favorites. It's not my favorite on the album, but it's one of my favorite Johnny songs. I don't know. Okay. I, I love the little line when she says, we once lived love together and we floodlit that time. I think that's so cute. I, I like think that. the lyrics in the background vocals make the song for me. Yeah. <laughs> please do you want to move into you turn me on on the radio well, i mean do you have other things you want to say about it no just like lyrics here and there but i mean i like how she's kind of looking to him for validation like sh- she begs him to show her how to fix it again like there's so i feel like there's so much going on in this song that you don't really notice it until you listen to it a bunch of times but i don't know i can see why people would dislike it i can yeah. see it. there's some cool lyrics i'm looking at some of the ones i wrote down there's some cool ones but yeah, that's really all I have to say about this one. Yeah. Um, I said it's kind of a happy breakup song. It is, right? It's optimistic. I think a lot of these the songs on this album have this optimism to them that she doesn't really have in the rest of her career, unfortunately. She's more just like pensive about it. She's like, yeah, we are breaking up, but I'm yeah. working and it's peaceful. <laughs> yeah, she's indifferent to it. You're right. It's not necessarily optimistic. She's just like, I'm learning. Da-da-da-da. I like that part. Um, But yeah, we can go on to her first big hit her own no her first of i think two because i think help me is her second one Um, big hit of uh if you listen to the intro you'll 
No, that's part of a you turn me on. I'm a radio. I love it. I love this. I mean, I love it as a single. It's obviously not my favorite song on the album by any means, but I like oh, the little yeah. harmonica parts on this. I like it's it's a fun song. It has a lot of references like to radios and signals being transmitted. It's there's not much depth to it, but it's cute. And don't fun. you like that she on electricity? She does all these like electricity metaphors and then here she's doing all these radio tower metaphors they actually fit kind of well next to each other i see they what she did there. they really do yeah also fun fact graham nash who she dragged on her last album plays the harmonica in the song he needed a that. check she got these guys whipped he needed a check so he was like okay <laughs> the oh, woodstock no. money ran out uh-huh woodstock money ran out he needed to buy some drugs okay oops <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys i don't know if that's true that's david crosby not graham nash okay we can't talk about david crosby He's okay that's true it's too soon too soon way too soon um <laughs> i was gonna say oh yeah this song hit 25 on billboard by the way i was gonna clarify um, she's mother for that mother for that but um i was i love that on here she's like who needs static it hurts your head it has kind of a twangy it's like a country yeah. twang to it it does. Yeah. I like the line where she says, um, where is it? From the breakfast Barney to the sign-off prayer. I think that's so cute. She's like, she'll always be there. You just have to turn on the radio. No, because she's like, sign Yes, the way she sings it, that little, is it a vibrato? I don't know what to call it, but she just, I don't like know. A, a little run? A little run. She was on a little run. Yeah. She felt a little. I said that the song is like a good it, it is like a really well written pop song, which yeah. not a lot of pop songs are. And that's like Court and Spark. Like, this is a song foreshadows Court and Spark's like really well done, but pop songs. Like, they're pop for the 70s. How come whenever I think of this song, I think for some reason I think of Joni in the 90s doing her like late night run going on every show playing Sex Kills? Oh, that was like 1994. Yeah. That was why think, wait, why are you thinking of that? I don't know. Whenever I think of you turning on a radio, I just think of that because, like, you know how there's um all the radio references in this, and then like she has all like the environmental references, or I guess not environmental, just like the sex spills and the oil spills. Like, I don't know. For some reason, the song makes me think of that. I am not seeing that <laughs> clear through, but you know, maybe I don't know. Possibly. Do you have, do you have anything else to say about you turning on? I'm just going to say, I think it's a really good song. And it goes into that. You can see she's moving into a pop sound with this song. Well, not pop, but I like jazz. Pop. Yeah, a more accessible sound. Oh, yeah. This is definitely more the most accessible song to a general public so far. Yeah, this and both sides now, I'd say. And everything else has been a little... Well, the Ladies of the Canyon, a lot of those songs. That's true. That is true. Big Yellow Taxi, especially. Hey, paradise. <laughs> Please. Uh, I don't even want to think about that version. Put up a parking lot. <laughs> um, we can move on to the blonde and the bleachers. Okay. This is another one I really like, specifically because of the switch up and yeah. like the middle of the song. I think yeah. that really makes the song. Saved it. <laughs> yeah. It's like really one of her first like rock anthems, I feel like, where she really has like this whole backing band behind her and goes into it. Yeah, like there's never, like she hasn't done that yet, but all of a sudden there's this like, she taped her regret to the microphone stand and then all of a sudden it's like, it kicks in yes. and you're like, ooh, like I kind of get like energized when I hear it. It's like, 
Yeah, I remember the first time I heard this song, I think I got like a minute in and I was like, okay, let me skip it. And then I finally listened to this album and I heard the switch up and I was like, wait, this song is really good. <laughs> wait a damn minute. What is this ending? <laughs> I like how it's also about like kind of groupie culture because oh, I feel yeah. like not a lot of songs made that touch on groupies and, and everything at this time. And it's such, it's such a product of like the classic rock era. Oh yeah. You couldn't write this song today. It wouldn't make sense. No, it really wouldn't. Like the girls and the bands and the rock and roll man, like, yes. <laughs> or I like, it's just the nature of the race. Like this yeah. kind of lifestyle, that's just like par for course here. Like that's just what it is when you're, you know, a blonde in the bleachers. Well, I think a blonde in the bleachers is probably a reference to being like groupie, right? Oh, a groupie, yeah. 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 And didn't you say last time Stevie Nicks really likes the song? Yes, oh my God, Stevie Nicks. So I don't even know where I read this, but there was a time where I was obsessed with Stevie Nicks and I wanted to see if she liked Joni Mitchell. So I read that she used to like lock herself in her room in high school and listen to her albums and that For the Roses specifically was one of her favorites. And then Blonde in the Bleachers was one of the songs she really related to. But Stevie said she always saw herself as the rock and roll man and not the Blonde in the Bleachers. And I was like, okay, mother. Mother. That's mother. Yeah, I think she's was. doing better since last she, time we talked. Yes, I, I saw that too. Oof. We were scared. Yeah, we love her. We do. Oh, and I, I I also, for some reason on this song, I also wrote that this song's ending reminds me of um the Shadows and Light album too. Really? It has a similar vibe. It does. Now that yeah, now that you mention it, I hear it. It has it's like a, the jazz rocky sound. It's I really, think it sounds like Jocko, like a little Jocko-y type thing. Yeah. This album would have been so cool if Jocko had a little to do on it, but obviously it wouldn't have sounded as good I don't think it would have been so different yeah it would have been way too different it wouldn't be the same record at all no no um so now should we go to the final two closers of this album which are amazing like most people's albums as they end start kind of you know like they slowly like digress and then this album ends with two amazing way different they're both they're very different songs but like oh yeah really great songs i love how this also kind of like touches on gender roles i guess because she's saying like i'm one of a woman of heart and mind with time on my hands no title to raise like i think she's oh, going the song, the song is called woman of heart and mind <laughs> yes the song is called woman of heart and mind i like how she's basically saying that again people think she should have a child at this point because she has all this time on her hands, but she's kind of saying, nah, I don't need that right now. And I also like, um, is it a guitar that's being used here? Yeah. I like the intro. There's like a little switch up right before she starts singing. Yeah. And I said that last time the song is on coyote tuning. It is. Yes. Oh my gosh. Mother I was playing it today and I was playing it today and I was like, I really can't sing a song like this because I, I'm not a woman, nor do I, <laughs> I was like, this really isn't my life, but it was fun to play. <laughs> it's not about being a woman. It's about a state of mind. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that obviously in the beginning, when she says I have time on my hands, no child to raise, he, if y'all did, I mean, the way people didn't understand, she was giving clues that yeah. she was a kid there. Like, Chinese cafe she says you know my child's a stranger like 
she just she was putting it right in plain sight and then everyone was like where wait wait, what you had a child that you didn't yeah see, but uh, i think that song is also a really good diss track to like, james taylor, well i don't know if it's about james taylor specifically but it's a great diss track like uh her for, oh joni's best she finally cusses mother yes grab your bargains push your papers when your medals fuck your strangers <laughs> mother for that I love yeah. how it's like saying casual sex isn't always fulfilling and sometimes you need more than that. Like, I feel like this whole song is on the borderline between love and freedom. Yeah. Oh, that's like, like, help me. Yes, and she's like, I, she's kind of saying like, she wants to comfort him and console him, but she also sees like a lot of flaws in him. Yeah, and I love the part where she's like, she's like, you're all this talk about holiness now, but like, do you actually believe it? Like, she's like, you're so, she's like everyone around like culturally is suddenly like oh I'm like all holy and stuff like oh I'm you know all this and she's like but are you really do you believe these words you're saying or is it just to impress me she's like because that's not impressing me what impresses yeah. me is like when you don't even try yes it goes back into the authenticity that yeah. she's like so so heavily craving at the beginning of the album especially yeah but- wow she really foreshadows herself she really does. That's what I mean when Banquet like really sets up everything. It really does. Like, I, mean, I, I don't know like, if she wrote Banquet first, but you know. I don't, yeah, I don't know if she did, but whatever she did there, she made this track listing like really well. It really tells a story from like start to end. And what was I going to say? Oh, I also think it's kind of cool how like the first half of the song is a little bit more introspective in like in terms of her life. And then she goes in in the second half she talks about this man and all of his flaws. Yeah. She, she's she like, so, yeah, she's like, he's so self-indulgent and condescending, basically. Yeah. And I was going to say, people always use this title about Joni Mitchell. Like, I see a lot of, like, there was a documentary, like, people say yes. this about, like, Joni Mitchell, woman of heart and mind. We had actually thought about, that was an original title idea, something to do with heart and mind, but, you know, that died out. <laughs> I... This is like her bridge over troubled water. I don't know. I never understood why this song didn't get more praise or something, especially like, I guess it wasn't popular at the time, but I've always been so, I guess, astonished that her music doesn't end up on classic rock radio more, especially a song like this. I feel like a lot of people would really like this and it is pretty accessible. Oh yeah, it's it's a really good song. You know, I just realized this. This is her first album where she doesn't use any of her older songs. Oh, really? Like, like, she doesn't use any song, like, not written for this album. Like, ever, all these songs are written oh, specifically yeah. for this album. Because Blue had, like, Little Green on it that wasn't written specifically for Blue. Like, she finally is, like, I think maybe that's why it feels so compact and conceptualized is because these are all for the same, written at the same time for the same, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just so cool how it, I don't know. I can go on and on about the track list, I won't, but it is really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, and yeah. this is a really great song, kind of a really great analytical song, you know, and then it goes into, oh, Judgment of the Moon and Stars, Ludwig's one of her best closers. I think it's my favorite Joni Mitchell closer. I'm sorry, my favorite Joni intro and my favorite Joni intro. I think Silky Bells of Ardors still. Okay, favorite. yeah, that one is neck and neck with this. Or Refuge of the Roads, though. Refuge of the Roses is my top three or four. Yeah, those three. I think these three. Oh, but oh wait, okay. Last the last time, time I saw Richard. Richard. Yes. Yeah, 
I or the sire of sorrow. Yes, the sire of sorrow. I was just about to say that. Fuck. Even two gray rooms about yes. the couple. Um, sweet bird. Oh wait, not sweet bird. What is it? Bird that whistles. <laughs> Shadows and light. I got a bird. Actually, I love that song. I'm not gonna trash that song. But oh my gosh, <laughs> she wrote this song because she feels kinship to Beethoven, and that's why it's called like in parentheses Ludwig's tune or Ludwig or whatever his Ludwig. name is. Ludwig. And um. I like how this song is a lot about the hardships of being an artist and how people will either reject or misunderstand you for being too raw, like she says. Like, it's a judgment of the moon and stars, your solitary path. Like, people are either going to accept her for who she is or they're going to get, like, pissed off and dismiss her. And I think it's really representative. I think we were talking about it last time. Yeah. Like, she is ripped to shreds in in her early career. And then, like, 30 years later or so, she's reevaluated and everyone is like giving her her praises again. And I think that's what this song is basically saying. Like people don't understand great art at first or people are like often, I think it challenges a lot of people. And uh, that's why she feels like that, similar to Beethoven. Yeah, like Beethoven, I think is one of her, she, she always goes like, I have a few heroes. My heroes would be, uh, Beethoven was a hero, Edith Piaf was a hero. <laughs> Please Edith Piaf. It, it, that is one of her heroes. Either I know. It's so funny when she Beethoven, said that. Beethoven. Who else? Um, Miles Davis. Miles Davis. Was, I think she said Tchaikovsky was one. She just she's just Googled like. Yeah. I think she said Emily Carr too. And then maybe oh. who's the other one? Um, The one Turbulent Indigo is about Van Gogh. Oh yeah. Van Gogh and P- Picasso. She also feels a lot of kinship too. Yeah. Van Gogh, Picasso. Um. I think she also really likes Nietzsche. Does she? Yeah. She's pretentious and she loves it. She well, loves Nietzsche. Actually, I should read some. I've been feeling very philosophical. Philosophical? Yes, philosophical. Do you know, <laughs> do you know that interview? Yes, was? and she's like, like, she's like, if you have a good marriage, blah, blah, blah. If you have a bad marriage, become a philosopher. A philosopher, yeah. And no, because she's <laughs> like talking about the interviewer from the LA Times was like, you're very philosophical, aren't you? Apparently, like, she acted like he was like attacking her and she was like, philosophical yeah like philosophical and he was all and then he then that goes into the confessional where she's like i don't like being called a confessional singer it's like you know it's like they say uh, they beat you with billy clubs thou shalt confess thou shalt confess my favorite thing about Joni mitchell interviews is that people will ask her a question and she'll start talking about it and then she'll like have this epiphany or something if she tries to get out of the conversation she does such a good job at changing like the entire topic because they were talking to her about Bob Dylan and if she said he was a pleasure she said I never said that she's like that reporter that reporter was an idiot and then she starts talking about the marriage and the philosophy so I was like girl well how did we divert so far from the original oh my god I love that line (laughs) I like a lot of Bob stuff he stole his music from old hillbillies you know and he's a great artist (laughs) and then she's like what did she say like and the guy that's a bunch of journalistic bullcrap. The guy who wrote that was, couldn't tell the difference between his ankle and his shoe size or something. And she's like, yes. this is for John Kelly, who's impersonating me. Like, okay. There's I'm another one. There's another interview where she's like, they ask her a question. She's like, you know, when I think about the river of my music, I'm just like, girl, <laughs> what? She's so unserious. I can't. I really can't. Um, I was going to say... <laughs> That this song, you know, it's dedicated to Beethoven, but um, also another way she dedicates it to him is this piano, because she wrote the words first, and then she was, she, I, I heard her, she said she was really intimidated about the musical aspect, because she was like, 
how do I, you know, how do you compete with a Beethoven symphonic, you know, thing? And so she decided to do her own little kind of piano spin on it. And it's fucking incredible. Yeah. It's way Perfect. more complex than you can even imagine. And it's, it's so good. Yes. Oh my gosh. I like in Let the Wind Carry Me, there's that instrumental break. There's one here too. And it sounds like it could be, it could belong in classical music or something. Like it's so Beethoven-esque, I think. The, I mean, cast, I'm not the cast, classical music fans here are going to be pissed at you for that. They are going to be pissed, but I feel like it's more classical than anything else in contemporary music like has been. Yeah. Or at least mainstream music. I'm sure there's people that will go sing over a Beethoven song. But... Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I just, I also love how it's like she's saying choosing a life as a musician has forced her into solitude. Um, yeah. Like, she's like also funneling all her frustration into music, which is like really emphasized at the end of the song where she's like, you got to shake your fists at lightning now. You got to roar like forest fire. Like she's saying like, I don't care anymore. I'm just going to claim everything. I'm going to do what I want. And I don't give a crap if people judge me for it. She's, I mean, she's like saying, she says that this song is about Beethoven, but she's really talking about herself. Yes. Like, show them you won't expire, not till you burn up every passion, not even when you die. Like, she's like, uh, or, you know, if you're tired of a silent night, Jesus, just yell it. Like, yes. she's like, she's predicting like, like how her career is going to be a constant roadblock of people telling her what she's doing is like, either too raw like chris christopherson like yeah um, yeah bitch oh i was also gonna say i didn't say that <laughs> i think that um judgment of the moon and stars i equated it as she's saying like the moon is the like corporation or like you know it could be either like the hollywood or art critics and then the stars is the public like reacting to your work so it's these two big forces weighing upon your art and like to be a good artist, you can't have people, you know, I don't know, people uh, yeah. getting involved in your work like that. No. And I like how she's basically saying that she's not going to care about it anymore. She's like being kind of dismissive of it too. She's yeah. like, well, it's a product of the life I've chosen. Yeah. And she's, and you know, and she kind of, and I, I said, I said this to you last time, but like, it's kind of a call to action at the end. Like she's calling herself like, girl, you better keep these sentiments for the rest of your career because yes. you're going to have to deal with the judgment of the moon and stars for the rest yes. of your career. Yes, this is where all her confidence really comes to fruition, I feel like. And after this, I don't think Joni says, I mean, obviously she's insecure throughout all of her albums and stuff. Like, that's a human emotion. But I think this is like where she becomes really confident after this. Yeah. Her first, up till Blue, her albums are very subtle. Like, even, like, the instruments, the melodies, I feel like they're so subtle. And here it's like anything but subtle yeah and um I don't know I really I love the song you know I said this to you last time as well but like being an artist this song just makes me very emotional just because I know exactly what it feels like to be shitted on by people the moon and the stars both perceptions <laughs> and you know you just have to shake your fist at lightning and roar like a fucking forest fire because yes. you just can't care. Oh, and I was also going to say, I love the travelogue version of the song because that's the real, if you want to hear like a Beethoven. Okay, yeah, that's more that's more extravagant, yeah. Grant. Because it has the symphony with it. And, and I actually, I like how she reads the lines on that one. Like, no tongue in the bell and the fish swine. Oh, yeah. Mm. 
I have opinions on the, the travelogue one. We'll get to it when we review travelogue, but I mean, I like it. I just don't like it as much as this. Is it about when she goes, hey, 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 hey. Wow, so how'd you know that was the exact part? Hey, 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 hey. And you can hear her voice straining really hard. Hey, yeah. And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm like, oh, girl. She was desperately trying to reach those notes on travelogue. And I, mean, I, I give her all the praise in the world for that. She tried. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. But um, I don't I don't know if I have anything else. I don't. It's hard because we kind of said so much about it last time too. We I know you guys understand. Last time I started crying when we were talking about this song. Yes, a very emotional song for both of us. I did. Oh my god, that's so embarrassing. They actually kind of good that that audio went away because I did cry. Um, they're gonna no. sell it on the on the dark web. Yes, I should have. Um, but that is, you know, if you don't have anything else to say, that's for the roses right there. We yes, my favorite Joni Mitchell album up till now. I'm sorry, spoiler, but I'm just so obsessed with this. Judgment well, of the Stars is literally my Instagram bio. And, and your Twitter username is inspired by the album. Oh yes, for the roses. Just yeah. so so I guess what would you rank this album or rank it, rate it? Wow. I, you know, I think I'm going to make you very happy when I tell you that I gave this album a 10 out of 10. Yay. Oh my God. I <laughs> give it a 10 out of 10 too. Yeah. And I, my favorite song is, a, is probably, and I don't know, like this is kind of surprising. I don't think it's the best song. Don't confuse best with favorite because that's different. But my favorite song is probably either Judgment of the Moon and Stars or For the Roses. Yes, Judgment of the Moon and Stars is definitely my favorite. I think the other one that I really, really love, I just want to say Bar and Grill. I don't think it's the best by any means, but it's just like one I really relate to and I really, really love. Yeah. You just enjoy listening to it. Yeah. Yeah. My least favorite is You Turn Me On on my radio. Well, no surprise here. Mine is Electricity. <laughs> <laughs> We're not surprised. No offense. Just saying, you know, just not my fave. But, um, but yeah, this is a, I like... I really recommend if you have never listened to this album, like I used to not like this album. I used to trash it. Um, and you know this, I used yeah. to trash it, but like it's, it's a beautiful album. It's so, there's so much more to it than you can ever imagine. And it is the perfect transition into the period we're about to enter, which is going to be so exciting. Mm, I'm so excited to talk about Corey Spark next week. And also, yes, if you've like listened to this album once and just missed it, please go back because I'm saying like the more you listen to it, the more you'll like it. It's really something that creeps up on you because everything about it is so subtle besides Judgment of the Moon and Stars. But Judgment of the Moon and Stars. Sorry. Uh, do you guys enjoy my singing? I do. <laughs> How I literally sing every track. Every track, <laughs> there's like some part where I'm like it's needed. I'm either singing or I'm doing a Joni impression. It's needed. It gives our podcast life. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm always adding that musical element. And I can't sing as well as you, so you need you need to be the one to do it. Is my I don't know if my singing on here is very good. I I can sing sometimes, but maybe <laughs> on here it's more just you know being silly. Um, but yeah, them for the roses. It's an amazing album, and you know, Horton Spark is next. Very exciting stuff. Yes, very exciting next couple albums. Oh yeah, very very exciting stuff to come. But um, yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say? No, just listen to this album, guys, please. Yo, no, just listen. <laughs> just listen to the album. Yes. Well, I agree. Listen to For the Roses and, you know, enjoy it. It's, enjoy it in this warm weather that we're having right now. <laughs> yes, it's a great spring, fall album. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Not winter, not summer. 
spring and fall. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you next time on Court and Spark. Bye, guys. Bye.